0: This is the Neurosurgery Podcast.
1: Welcome back to the Neurosurgery Podcast. We are very much delighted to be joined today by folks from the Carolinas Neurosurgical Group. They have a residency program in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I understand that to be one of the largest practice organizations in this country. Um, We have been joined by Dr. Scott Waite, who is a program director there, and Dr. David Peters, who is a resident. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Mike. Great. Scott, let me first start with you and tell us a little about how your program differs from other programs and how it originated and when you guys started your residency and all that.
2: Yeah. So the the idea for this is really 20 years old and um, it originated between my group, which is Carolina Neurosurgery and Spine Associates, which as you mentioned is the largest group in the country and the healthcare system, which we do a lot of work in, which is now called Atrium Healthcare. And for about ten years, the healthcare system had asked the group to start a nurse surgery program. And finally, about nine years ago, that catalyst kind of occurred, and the, the group we kind of got our stuff together and got our application in, and and uh, were approved for you know one resident a year pretty quickly out of the gate. And so, so we we have graduated one chief resident, uh, just graduated him, and so we're about to match our hopefully match our ninth uh, resident coming up this season. Uh, but it's kind of a it's a unique partnership. There are you know, a couple of the places like this in the country, but it really is a, an academic institution that is not tightly associated with a medical school, uh, but is yet a very large institution that has a lot of residency programs kind of married to a large private practice that administers a, um, a residency program. So a little bit of a unique situation.
1: Okay. And David, you're a resident there, right? Yeah. I'm a fifth year resident uh, this year. Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. So here's what I'm going to ask you guys first. I've heard about your program through Dom Corrick, and I've actually spoken to some of your residents as well. And I was really struck by how cool it sounded because it sounded like you have like 40 attending neurosurgeons and like three residents there. And the residents were basically having the pick of any kind of case they wanted to do in the world of neurosurgery, and they would be the first scrub with the person. And I, I thought that sounded super cool because most programs like Miami, we've got 15 rooms going with, you know, 30 people, residents and fellows, and everybody's scrambling to figure out what room they're in. But the resident seems to be like a kid in a candy store. Is that, is that somewhat true, Scott?
3: Um, David, why don't you go ahead? Sure. sure. Yeah. So uh, that is one of the biggest advantages of our program, I think. So, you know, the the practice does about 6,000 cases a year that we have access to, and we probably, between us residents are only able to cover about 40 percent of those and it is really nice because we almost never double scrub cases as residents we and there's great cases every day that are going uncovered because we just don't have enough uh, residents able to cover them all and so it just allows us to get really good one-on-one uh training with attendings right away right off the bat and and we do have you know a great selection of cases every day to choose from
1: so, I mean, how many rooms do you guys run on a given day usually?
3: Yeah, every day we have six uh, rooms at the main hospital, CMC Main, and then, uh, which is where we do our, you know our, most of our complex spine, complex cranial cases. Uh, and then across the street, we have a surgery center that has three rooms every day, which is more of the outpatient uh, spine surgery, uh, some smaller cranial surgeries. Uh, and then we have one to two endovascular rooms every day. Uh, And so that's, you know, about, that would be nine, 10 to 11 rooms uh, daily for only six residents that are on campus. We have one resident who's away on on an elective and not, not uh, in the, in the rotation.
4: You know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, You guys have, you know, a lot of volume and about seven residents. So the OR experience I'm sure is great. Do you feel like that, there's anything that you guys are missing in terms of floor work. You know, you talk to a lot of, you know, residents, especially junior residents now across the country, and they talk about how much call they're taking, you know, how many floor procedures they're doing, EVDs, LPs. And, you know, while a lot of that may be reparative after some time, there is, I guess, something to be said for, you know, when uh, there's, you know, when it's very busy and your back's against the wall and you're really trying to figure out, you know, how to balance all of these things. Do you guys still get that experience with, you know, the amount of call you take and the amount of mid-level help you have? Uh, And if so, how is it different from, you know, other, other programs of a similar size or programs of a bigger size?
3: Yeah, we definitely still get all of that. And I would say, you know, we only have, like I said, seven residents total, one's on elective year. So we have six that are on campus and we cover every single night of call at our main hospital. So, Um, you're taking, uh, you know, a lot of call, but, uh, for your early years, that's in-house and your later years, that's home. But you get, uh, this is a very busy level one trauma center and you're getting lots and lots of reps for all those procedures, patient care, every patient that you operate on, you follow until they leave the hospital. So you're learning, uh, how to take, uh, care of patients. Uh, but I, I think the good thing about our program is that you learn all of that, but your work is put to good use for your benefit and and you um, everything you're, you feel like your time is well rewarded and well spent towards your education so I think it's a very efficient model in terms of uh, our time is very well used towards our, our education and benefit
4: so I want to ask one more question about the the clinical practice before I switch gears. Uh, you know, Caroline is, is, you know, as I as I remember, a private demic uh, sort of model. So, is there is there any sort of skew that you guys have towards certain subspecialties, whether it's spine or uh, oncology, or do you guys get a pretty well round experience in terms of uh, vascular and trauma and uh, functional? Is it do you, do you feel that you guys come out of residency pretty balanced, or you know, uh, do you guys lean one way or another in terms of the fellowships and the and the ultimate jobs that you guys uh, go on to pursue?
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, we only had one resident who's graduated so far. So, you know, that, that's, you know, I couldn't speak on that. But in terms of the, the uh, variety of cases we see, we see everything. We don't transfer any cases out. We cover everything. And we have a, uh, Atrium Health is a system of uh, around 20 hospitals, and we're the only one that has, you know, 24-7 neurosurgery. So all the neurosurgery gets referred into our main hospital um, from this catchment area of about 3 million people. And so, yeah, we absolutely do. We get, you know, tons of ruptured aneurysms. We have tons of spine, you know, tumor, everything. I would say um, the one thing, we don't have a giant uh, functional uh, program, uh, I would say, is the one thing, but we get enough to meet all our minimums. Um, but other than that, I think we get plenty of all all different other uh, specialties in, in neurosurgery.
4: That's great. Uh, Dr. Way I did want to shift gears uh and my next question uh, I'll direct to you. Uh you guys had mentioned that you know of course with this big busy academic, uh with this busy clinical practice uh you, you guys don't necessarily have a, a medical school associated with you. How does that impact the research that you guys do? Is there both clinical and basic science research available for you or is it is it kind of one versus the other and how does this compare to other programs out there?
2: Yeah. So let me let me give a little bit of history of this place. So up until about two years ago, the uh, hospital system had an affiliation with the University of North Carolina. In fact, the residents used to come and do some time with us. Um, About two years ago, this healthcare system merged with Wake Forest. So now that has morphed into now we have Wake Forest medical students on campus all the time. So we we are associated, but they're not like you know on the same campus as us, like a lot of like a lot of places. So now, now let me answer really answer your question, which is what kind of research opportunities are available. So we got a couple folks in our practice by the name of uh, Asher and McGirt, who are, uh, I think anybody would list in the leaders of like you know outcomes and database and that type of research. And then we have a huge clinical volume, so there's lots of you know, access to series and, you know, we're, we're in all kinds of trials and stuff. Um, but you hit the nail on the head. We do not have a animal facility and there's nobody in our department that's, you know, got pipettes in their office or anything like that. So basic science is really not what we're going to be, uh, helping a person achieve in their career, um, So but as far as clinical, translational and especially, you know, decision type science and outcomes type science, um, I think we're as well equipped or better than uh, most places in the country.
1: Well, Scott, as as we wrap this up, uh, I wanted to ask you about, you know, Charlotte, North Carolina. What's it like to live there? I I understand North Carolina is growing rapidly and you've got a lot of sports teams. What is it like to actually live there for seven years of your life?
2: So I think Charlotte's a really popular city. It's constantly in the top two or three growth rates in the country as far as cities go. Um, we do have a you know, number of professional sport te- sports teams. None of them are consistently really good yet, but we keep h- hanging on to hope for that. Um, uh, it's got a great um, you know, social scene, art scene, a very diverse uh, community. A lot of tech and a lot of uh, it's a big banking uh, city. It's close to the beach. It's close to the mountains of North Carolina, and it's got a four you know four seasons. So it's a relatively safe city for, for the size that it is. But it's a big city, so it's going to be like any other big city. But um, everybody that lives in Charlotte is from somewhere else. So it's a magnet that brings people from all over the country to live in Charlotte. Very very few people that I've ever talked to are unhappy with Charlotte and looking to leave. So. In summary, great place to live, and, and I intend to finish my career here.
1: Well, that's fantastic. You have an amazing neurosurgical group. You've uh, graduated your first residence, so congratulations on that. And I think it's a wonderful training program, so I encourage our listeners to take a serious look at Carolinas, and thanks for coming on the podcast tonight. Thank,
3: thank you. Yeah, Thanks for having us. Welcome to the
1: Nurse Surgery Podcast. You know, It's been said that San Diego is probably the best city to live in, in America if you can afford it, and I do believe that. So we are really delighted to be joined by two docs from San Diego, the program director, Bill Taylor, and his assistant program director. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank
3: you
5: for having us here. It's Dr. Sherwin Benham and myself. I'm Dr. Uh, or, uh, Bill uh, Taylor, and we agree with you. San Diego is one of the nicest places to live in the country. Uh, And it's one of the main reasons why I come uh, here and just stay here year after year. Um, It uh, has a lot of things uh, outside that we enjoy doing and uh, just perfect weather uh, along with a great neurosurgery program.
1: Yeah. And you guys are in the tech center of the universe in a way. uh, And so there must be so many fantastic opportunities for your residents to be involved in neuroscience and industry research starting companies, right? It must be just an amazing place to be as a young, promising uh, intellectual neurosurgeon. You
5: know, that's a, that's a really good point for a lot of people that they don't think about. I'll let Dr. Benheim add about the research side because um, she has a lot of contacts on the research side uh, based up on the MESA, we call it, which has multiple, multiple uh, nonprofit institutes uh, and uh, neuroscience is especially a huge piece. I would tell you a, quite a bit about sort of our local entrepreneurial um, uh, work that we have here, though, because within me, within the space of about, I would say, about fifteen or twenty minutes, there are literally three spine companies uh, within here: uh, Nuvasive, AlphaTech, um, and also, um, oh gosh, I'm blanking. Surgalign. What's that? Surge Align. And yeah, Surge line. Well, that's number four. Uh, and um, also, uh, well, right. we'll get to it in a second. But it, it has a huge entrepreneurial community. And actually, uh, a lot of what we where we work is Jacobs Hospital, which was funded by uh, the Jacobs, which started Qualcomm. Um, and so UCSD itself is very involved in, in startups and entrepreneurial work uh, and Within this area, it's a real hotbed of both nonprofit research organizations uh, and for-profit medical uh, device companies, uh, which really flourish here. And they and they flourish in concert with the university. Um, we are encouraged to work outside the university, encouraged to work in both those areas. And actually, uh, all the attendings here with their contracts have a, a, a generous number of days that we can work outside. And, and I think that helps the community uh, and helps the interaction with the university. Uh, and for me, specifically doing spine, um, you know, within five or 10 minutes, being able to work with different groups. And also, we also take advantage of that with the residents, having uh, residents, you know, come by and meetings and other things, which which makes a huge difference. Maybe Dr. Benheim can, can give us also some insight on the Nonprofit organizations and the scientific backgrounds, because she's more familiar than what I am.
6: Yeah. So, you know, I certainly echo everything uh, you've already said and um, and you, JP, as well, that it's a very unique place to be from the perspective of the combination of both Uh, uh, excellent um, quality neuroscience research and also this um, very entrepreneurial environment um, with uh, with startups uh, nearby but also within the university structure itself Um, really the potential to do uh, high-level neuroscience research here is it's almost limitless Um, we have um, a a, a top-ranked neuroscience program, uh, in addition to um, the neurobiology program in the undergrad UC San Diego campus, um, in addition to our sister institutions that, um, as Dr. Taylor mentioned, are on the mesa, which is, uh, you know, walking distance from the campus, including places like um, the Scripps Research Institute and also the Salk Institute amongst others. Um, And uh, just really, really robust infrastructure of uh, of really high quality neuroscience research that uh, our residents luckily have done a a fairly good job of taking advantage of um, and many members of our faculty as far as building those um, collaborative bridges. And I think that that's one of the things that is really allowed us to, uh, you know, to really merge this, this innovative um, landscape, you know, with the research side.
5: Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, in other words, I sort of concentrate on the nonprofit, but as, as Dr. Benheim mentioned, I mean, we have a strong neuroscience institute and a big neurobiology and also a large engineering group here, and we've had multiple residents coming through who have worked with the engineering group here on different projects uh, that have come to fruition. I mean, the nonprofits up on the mesa include Sanford Burnham and the Ventner Institute, um, the Salk Institute, uh, and there are, are just four or five of them uh, which are just excellent at working with the university. Not to not to sort of give short. Uh, shrift to the to the people here working directly at the university. But from a neuroscience
0: point of view, uh, it really is
5: is second to none and from a lot of
0: places. Well, I imagine with all those opportunities, the residents have their their pick of exactly how they want to structure their own uh, time in the residency and how to use any elective time that's available. So between these device companies, the nonprofits, the institutes, how how does the residency structure? Um, enable and aid your residents in performing whatever kind of research be it uh, corporate towards devices or be it basic science how does the residency program enable uh, the residents to pursue their elective interests?
5: So I think that first of all we have always had a a two-year which runs concurrent back-to-back so we have a two-year free space in which residents do their research years uh, they're not broken up and we don't require them to do any specific thing during that year. So it is absolutely an open time for them. The The desire to have two years uh, in, within the program actually started with the founder of this, uh, Dr. Oxney, John Oxney. He had a specific research grant to be able to, to pay for resident salary during that year. Uh, and that has has persisted. Uh, so I think it's important that there are, there are lots of options and, and we don't require any specific thing. Some of the residents do do one year of clinical and then one year of basic science. Uh, we have had about four or five years ago we actually had a, a chief resident who did a PhD um, in uh, basic neuroscience uh, during that time. We've actually had people teach courses also at the university. Um, our, uh, and the opportunities for working at the university at least Three of our residents work with the basic science group on campus at the current time uh, for, for different things. Our, our most recent uh, resident that we came from UCSD, uh, he works very closely with the, the research group, both in neuroscience uh, and on, on campus. And, and that, that just gives them the opportunity uh, to really work and, and to explore uh, different, different options. Uh, And it's, it's really, it's really a great thing for them to be able to do that during that time. But also, I also think it's important that in some places or some, they're kind of an expectation that you might work in one spot or an expectation that you may be, uh, you know, enrolled sort of in someone's lab. But, but we leave that as an open book when they come in and uh, we've had residents who work with the neurology department uh, and in the electrical engineering department. Uh, and, and within, and also on the Mesa, we have lots of contacts within what we just call the Mesa, which is sort of our nonprofit neuroscience uh, institutes.
0: Well, that's excellent. You know, we, we touched on what a wonderful landscape there is in terms of research and industry there in, in San Diego, but perhaps as we wrap up here, it's an easy thing to do, but make a pitch for the city itself. What kinds of things do the residents enjoy in their free
1: time?
5: Well, I don't know about this year. It, it drizzled rain for about 20 minutes last week, so <laughs> Yikes. I'm not sure that it's perfect weather. And sometimes we get, we get fog in the, in the morning, you know, that lasts for a few hours before it burns off and we get bright sunshine. So don't let anyone tell you it, uh, tell you it's perfect. Um, but it, it pretty much is, really. I mean, the reality is, is within the Southern California location, we have, um, you know, within, you know, five to six hours, people can be skiing. Um, they can be, uh, if they want to do water sports, you know, sailing or surfing or something within the water, um, there are, you know, untold opportunities within, you know, just a few hours. Uh, and then also, um, we have a lot of local mountain ranges with hiking and other things just from a purely, uh, enjoyment point of view. And the reality is for us, those pretty much last all year. There's not one specific season. It doesn't get too hot during the summer or too cold during the winter. Uh, and so our, our oceans are open all the time. The mountains are. Uh, and the residents that come here have a, have a, a lot of opportunity um, to, to enjoy that. Not as much probably as they'd hope once they get started. As you know, residency is a really, really busy program and a busy life. Uh, But when they do have the opportunity to see outside, there's really not much of a better place to be uh, than than San Diego. Um, And I think that also reflects on the sort of people that work here, too. You'll find that most of our attendings and most of the people that work here, they come to San Diego um, because they, you know, they want to be in this location and they want to be in this area and they tend not to leave either. We don't have a lot of turnover uh, and, and we have a lot of people that, that come here and live here because they want to be here uh, and, and don't, don't leave and leave and go elsewhere.
6: And I, I would add to that, um, you know, we, we, we really care about um, attracting the right type of um, sort of excellent applicant um, that matches the culture of our program, which is one of uh, a lot of camaraderie. Um, at all levels, you know, we see it at the faculty level, at the resident level, even um, from our administrative staff, and uh, and and that's and that's very important to us.
0: Marvelous. Well, Dr. Taylor, Dr. Benheim, we want to thank you for your time uh, joining us on the Neurosurgery Podcast to uh, tell the applicants this year about what UCSD Neurosurgery has to offer. Thank you both.
5: Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: Welcome to the Neurosurgery Podcast, here with another installment of our Residency Spotlights, uh, featuring the programs across North America for the virtual applicants this year in 2021-22. We are so delighted today to be joined by Dr. Kadir Erkman, Program Director at Temple University in Philadelphia. Dr. Erkman, welcome to the show.
7: Thanks so much for having me, John and Vignesh. This is a really, really great
0: idea and awesome forum. Thanks for inviting us. Well, thank you, and, and we're delighted to have you. Um, just to uh, open open this discussion, why don't you introduce our listeners to yourself a bit and uh, talk a bit about what Temple Neurosurgery is like from the inside?
7: Sure thing. Uh, so I am a, a vascular and endovascular neurosurgeon um, at Temple, and uh, serve as the residency program director there and the vice chairman. Uh, I work very closely, obviously, with uh, Dr. Michael Weaver, who is our chairman. Uh, our residency program is a one year residency program uh, that uh, has, I think, a lot of uh, really cool features that uh, a lot of the applicants who do come through uh, really enjoy uh, hearing about and learning about. Um, you know, the I was talking about strengths of our program. Our, honestly, our biggest strength is the residents that we have. We have a great crew of, of residents. They're all outstanding. We're either good at selecting residents or get very lucky with that process because the, the, the folks we have are outstanding. They're, it's a really tight-knit group that works outstanding together. Uh, they're all going to be, uh, I'm confident, academic leaders in, in neurosurgery uh, moving on. Um, another thing i like to highlight about our program is our, our culture. Uh, Dr. Weaver's our chairman, and uh, he's, he's one of the nicest people you'll ever be around. He's one of the kindest chairman uh you know kind hearted people uh he has a gruff exterior sometimes but everyone knows that 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 he's uh he's he's the you know just a great person underneath and uh he you know he kind of sets the tone for the whole place we we really function as a family as a group uh we get along there's very little uh if any kind of internal uh strife or or, or uh troubles uh that's both with the faculty but it goes between the faculty and the residents, and even you know our office staff, our techs, our nurses, uh, all the folks that we work with. It's a really great atmosphere. We kind of feel like a, a big family, and and uh, Weaver sets that tone and and uh, really permeates throughout the program. Uh, we get together a lot, you know, at his house, at my house for for events outside of outside of work related things, and uh, and you can really really get an idea there. Uh, the uh, one area that our residency, I think, uh, is unique is that we do something called an apprenticeship model. Uh, it's a little different than, than yeah, at least the way I was trained. I think still a lot of programs uh, do things. The way we do it is we have our residents uh, paired up with uh, one or two faculty in a disease-specific rotation. Um, and so they're six-month blocks. Uh, when you're the vascular resident, that's just an example. You work with myself and Dr. Rami Almefti. If you're on the tumor uh, block, you work with Dr. Uh, Weaver's, uh, Doctors Weaver and Shepard. Uh, if you're on the spine block, you work with Dr. Bung Kim and our functional neurosurgeon uh, who just started, Dr. Uh, Willard Kazov. And then we have a trauma and critical care rotation with Dr. Uh, Philip Villanueva. And then the final rotation would be uh, the pediatric rotation, which we do at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia Commonly known as chop, and really the, the the nice thing with this is you work really closely with the faculty you're paired with. with and, you know, It's basically like an apprenticeship. the way The way neurosurgeons you know used to think used to be trained in the past. Uh, and so for six months, I'm working with with the same resident every single day. So that resident you know does clinic with me, sees all the inpatients, takes uh, does all the cases, and then uh, you know gets a really kind of it's almost like a mini fellowship. Uh, gets a longitudinal approach to each disease process so in the vascular rotation they'll see the clinic patients they'll do the angiograms they'll do the the coilings clippings uh avm resections whatever it is uh, during that block for that six month period and that's really all they're focused on is is vascular neurosurgery uh it's it's really nice because uh you know the patients also uh really enjoy it because they see the same faces when they come to clinic when they're in the hospital when they're getting, you know, uh, about to go under anesthesia, they see the same resident as who signed them up for surgery in the clinic. Uh, that way it's really nice for the patients as well. It's a great educational experience because it's almost a one-on-one, one-on-two uh, training. We get to really get to know the, fir- the person we're working with really, really well. And that means that uh, I can tailor the educational experience for who's on the block. Uh, I'm working with the same person yesterday, today, tomorrow. So my resident, whoever's, who's with me currently, if whatever they did today, if I know they can do that, and then tomorrow they do that independently and we, you know, push the limits on something new. And when they master that, then they do that independently in the past. Uh, you know, and like when I trained oftentimes we would you'd be in a surgery and you wouldn't see the same attending again for you know three, four weeks. And it's almost like, a you know, another first date, uh, you're kind of reproving yourself over and over again to, to, uh, graduate responsibilities. So we do think that this really gives you a a very uh, tailored educational approach, which, uh, which works really nicely. And the other nice thing about it is you get really early operative experience. So the vascular rotation, you'll do a six month block as a PGY2, and again, as a PGY4. So as a PGY2, you're doing all those cases, um, you know, so if, if, you know, any case we're in, you're involved in. Now, the chief resident also can participate in those cases, obviously, but um, you're, you're a part of every single one of them. So you get a very, very early operative experience. So that's kind of a, in a nutshell, the apprenticeship model. One other thing that I like to think about with that is that during that block, you're thinking really just about that disease process. So if you're on the tumor rotation for six months, you're, you're reading about tumor rotation, you're uh, presenting our tumor board conference, and what we want is for every resident during that six-month block to work on an academic project with the faculty in that, in that specialty. You can't you know hide from any subspecialty area of neurosurgery. You have to do every block, obviously, twice. The only one that you do once is is the, is the pediatric uh, block at, at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. So there's no, you know, we like to think that when our residents finish, they have no deficiencies in area of, in any area of neurosurgery. When I was a resident, we kind of found our way into the cases that in the areas that you, you enjoyed and we're going to end up specializing in. This way, you really have to do every single type of case for, for the entire residency program. So those are kind of some of the, the, the things that we're really proud of in our residency program.
4: Yeah, Dr. Erf, that's pretty incredible. I think, you know, as so many programs try to become bigger and bigger, uh, the apprenticeship model is something that's lost. Um, so, I mean, with that, you're, you know, I imagine your residents are in the OR pretty much every day or at least in clinic and following around the same surgeons, uh, you know, for six months, as you mentioned. So what does that, you know, mean for in terms of like the call and the junior level work, do you guys have, you know, NPs to help out with that? Or is it, you know, most, on, is most of it on the, you know, on the intern, the PGY2 and PGY3? And so how is that labor divided up? Yeah, so the,
7: the, the way we work it is, if there's consults during the day, if, it's, if there's a new subarachnoid hemorrhage in the emergency room, the vascular resident would see that. So it's not all piled on one person, the, the, the PGY2 isn't getting, uh, you know, called for every single thing. The um, early in the PGY-2 year, you're doing the uh, critical care and trauma fellowship. And that ends up being a lot of the ICU care, obviously, and a lot of the trauma consults. Uh, as you may know, tra- uh, Temple has a, a busy trauma center. Uh, and so, so they do see a lot of those. But the, the way we set it up is that, you know, if there's a new a patient comes in with a you know, new diagnosis of a, a, a metastasis that needs evaluation, the tumor resident would go down and see them. Talk directly with the faculty that they're working with, and then and uh, then make plans accordingly. Um, so that that does uh, divide things up a little bit as far as the the daytime stuff. We do have uh, nurse practitioners on the service, uh, PA's on the service, and nurse practitioners in the clinic who help with all all of the stuff. Um, we have a dedicated uh, PA in the in the ICU also who helps. Uh, kind of uh, with with things when the when the PGI two has to run off the the unit to, to go see a new consult or something like that. Um, it's it, the the workflow works really nicely because the the roles are so uh, well defined. Uh, people can't kind of uh, push off work onto someone else or the most junior person isn't getting absolutely killed with everything. The you know the smaller program uh, idea is an interesting one. You know, as you said, a lot of programs are growing bigger and bigger, and you know, three, four residents a year. And uh, you know, I, I one other thing I'd like to highlight on this podcast is the fallacy that the bigger the program, the better the experience is going to be. I actually am a believer that the experience in a small program is outstanding because of the one-on-one relationships that you're working with. Uh, you know, if we have twelve hundred cases a year and one resident per year, that's a better uh, operative ratio than. But says 2,500 cases and four residents a year, uh, and all, I think all too often there's a there's a misconception that the smaller programs don't offer as much. And I think it's it's quite the opposite. You get a really good experience uh, in a in a smaller type program, and it's not for everyone. You know, some people thrive in the in the super busy big places that uh, you know it's a little less a little less uh, personal, more it's more impersonal type training. Uh, with us, we think that we we provide a really good opportunity for for the applicant for the residents to kind of uh, train in a, in a very friendly collegial atmosphere, but also uh, you know uh, getting the most out of the experience with the with the operative experience. The downside to a small program, obviously, is is you're taking call for longer into your residency. I know some big programs, it's only the PGY twos and threes that take call. You know you'll be taking call. Most of your residency, uh, and then and then as the chief, obviously you're covering uh, for uh, as the as the senior uh, you know, throughout the year. Uh, so there's definitely de- uh, pluses and minuses to, to to both. I think our tailored approach really gives a great you know, educational opportunity for for our residents.
0: Well, Dr. Erkman, I think that's a a wonderful whirlwind tour onto the uh, inside scoop of Temple University neurosurgery. You know, you you opened the conversation saying that you're not sure if you've been lucky or just uh, done well in the match, but it sounds like your residents have been lucky as well. And as we all know, it's better to be lucky than good. Um, (laughs) Philadelphia is obviously one of the classic cities in the country. We don't need to uh, you know, bore our listeners with the details, and I don't need to alarm them with my Stallone impression, yelling "Adrian." But uh, <laughs> you know, the, the reputation of Philadelphia precedes us and speaks for itself. So, with that, I, I think I is
7: one more aspect that oh uh, is, is uh, important and uh, you know, really special about Temple is by all means. Uh, you know, the we take care of a very very underserved population. Uh, I think the the. The zip code where Temple University Hospital sits is is one of the poorest zip codes in the country. Uh, And so all of our patients are coming in with very advanced disease, um, which is partly because they don't have access to primary care and and general medical care. Uh, And so you you have to be a really good physician. You have to be a really good internal medicine doctor because your patient's coming in with a new aneurysm but they have untreated diabetes, untreated hypertension, untreated cardiac disease. Uh, so it really is a, it's, it's, it's both a, a, an incredible challenge to take care of patients in our, in our area, but it's also really gratifying because, you know, we, we really feel like, you know, we're, we're taking care of patients who are, can barely get the basic medical care and we're giving them world-class neurosurgical care. So it's, it's a very gratifying experience. I think, uh, we, I've, I've found that a lot of the people who, who apply to our program when they come through and they, and they learn about that really walk away with an idea of wow, I can really, really help someone and do something really good, you know, for the, for the, the community, for the population. And uh, I, I do think that that's also an important aspect of our program that, uh, that I did want to take a quick quick minute to highlight.
0: And I'm glad you did. Anyone who's worked uh, with an underserved population or in a county hospital knows the, as you said, the challenge, but also the satisfaction of working in that kind of environment. So with that, Dr. Erkman, we want to thank you for your time and coming on the Neurosurgery Podcast today to talk about neurosurgery at Temple University.
7: Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for inviting us. And, uh, you know, good luck with this. It's a great, great idea. And sounds like you guys are are really doing an amazing job with it. So I really appreciate you inviting Temple on, on your forum.
0: Disclaimer time. The opinions and ideas expressed in this show are solely those of myself, Dr. Wang and our guests. They do not represent the opinions of any professional institution or organization. This show is for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute the giving of medical or legal advice. Listening to or participating in this show does not constitute continuing medical education or any other professional certification. It's just a show, everybody.